Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for... Uh what you will reveal to us today through Judges 16. So, Father, we pray for wisdom and insight as we look into your word. And, Father, would you give us application and uh, next steps for each of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, folks, we are in Judges 16 this morning. Uh, You all know the story of Samson and Delilah, but I'm going to read it, and then we'll jump in and see uh, what we can get out of this today. Um, Let me make sure my volume's up. Here we go. All right, so Judges 16, entitled Samson and Delilah. One day, Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. He went in to spend the night with her. The people of Gaza were told, Samson is here. So they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. They made no move during the night, saying, at dawn, we'll kill him. But Samson lay there only until the middle of the night. Then he got up and took hold of the doors of the city gate, together with the two, po- two posts, and tore them loose. Bar and all, he lifted them to his shoulders, carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Sometime later... He fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sarek, whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. Samson answered her, if anyone ties me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. Then the rulers of the Philistines brought her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she tied him with them. With men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the bowstrings as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Then Delilah said to Samson, you have made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come now, tell me how you can be tied. He said, if anyone ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become as weak as any other man. So Delilah took new ropes and tied him with them. Then with men hidden in the room, she called him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the ropes off his arms as if they were threads. Delilah, Delilah then said to Samson, all this time you have been making a fool of me and lying to me. Tell me how you can be tied, he replied. He replied, if you weave the seven braids of my hair into the fabric of the loom and tighten it with a pin, I'll become as weak as any other man. So while he was sleeping, 
Delilah took the seven braids of his head, wove them into a fabric, and tightened it with a pin. Again, she called him Samson. The Philistines upon you, he woke from his sleep and pulled up the pin and the loom with the fabric. And she said to him, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you have made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. So he told everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head was shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back once more. He has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. After putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him and his strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He woke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to, to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him to grinding grain in the prison. But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Now the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to celebrate, saying, Our God has delivered Samson, um, our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. When the people saw him, they praised their God, saying, Our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste our land and multiplied our slain. While they were in high spirits, they shouted, Bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he performed for them. When, when they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant uh, who held his hand, Put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple, so that I may lean against them. Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there, and on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might, and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than when he lived. And his brothers and his father's whole family went down to get him. They brought him back and buried him between Zorah and Eshtel in the tomb of Manoah, his father. He had led Israel 20 years. Okay, well, there you have it. Um, so we're going to break this down a little bit and see what we can glean from this. Let me just scroll down a little bit. Okay. So 
um, looking at the first couple of verses, verses one through three. Um, Samson goes and he finds a prostitute and he spends the night with her. Now, obviously, <laughs> Samson is in sin here. And this is a clear example of how a man so used of God can also sin and in this in this case blatantly sin, right? Now Samson wanted to be used by God, but he was also giving in um to the deceit of the sinful nature and to the sin that he was experiencing. You know, he was uh, a Nazarite from birth. So he had been vowed as someone who had been set aside to follow God. But at the same time even under that vow, he is blatantly sinning with a prostitute. So we see how sin so easily right, can deceive and come in um, to anyone's life. Now, okay, now, Samson, we can put his life into a few categories, right? We know that, we know that, um, there were categories that God cared about and some categories that God did not really care for. And we have to understand that Jesus has claim over our whole life and that our entire life is a radical change of perspective, right? So here we have Samson who's doing things that are clearly not right, but we know that his life has value. We know that God has a claim over him, but there has to be some radical change here for Samson to come into alignment with what God wants from him. So in those first couple of verses, we also see that it says, he, lift, he takes the, the post of the, of the gate and he carries them up to the hill. And so even, and this is interesting, even despite his sin, because he literally just came out of a room with a prostitute, right? God still gives him supernatural strength to escape from the Philistines. So we can clearly see that God's purpose was bigger than Samson himself, right? God was, was giving Samson the power to fulfill his purposes despite Samson's sin, not because of his sin. We have, and we have to be clear with that, that it's despite his sin, not because of his sin. Now, moving down to, we're around verse 4 and 5 now. And it talks of the time that he meets Delilah, he falls in love with her, you know, and she is in cahoots with the Philistines. So now this is the second time that Samson fell in love, fell for a woman. So another example of the pain and ruin that came into Samson's life because he was not guarding his heart, right? Now, if you go back to chapter 15, you'll see some other examples of Samson pursuing worldly things. But let's talk a little bit about um, this big issue. And I think if we break it down, the big issue here is Samson, even though he was called of God, was choosing not to guard his heart. So um, give me one second here. Allergies are attacking me today. Okay. So here we go. So how let's talk a little bit through this this idea of how do you guard your heart. Now, 
because God understands how important it is to guard your heart, there are numerous Bible verses that talk about this. So let's look at a few. Um, Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So clearly Samson had some issues with discernment, right? He was not putting himself um, in situations or possibly he wasn't learning from past experiences, right? Because he was not, his mind was not being renewed. Okay, Colossians 3 verse 5 says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, purity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Um, Colossians 3 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. So seeking godly things, right? Living in a godly way. Um, I'll just mention one or two more here. Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So this issue of guarding our heart is kind of a big one. I'm going to scroll down in my notes a little bit. So Proverbs 23 says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Okay. Now, that word, well, God in Hebrew, which I'm not going to try to pronounce, means to um, to keep, to watch or preserve. And it carries this idea that it's not a one-time deal. It requires a continual effort, right, to guard our hearts. We need to keep watch. We need to be careful not to, any, not to let anything infiltrate our hearts. So let's talk about some ways that we can guard our hearts. Okay, so one is be self-aware. So we need to understand um, our emotions, our triggers, our vulnerabilities, right? Samson had an issue with this, right? He knew that he was susceptible to lust and sexual desire, but yet he kept putting himself back into those situations. So there was a lack of self-awareness that Samson had. Um, we have to be aware of our emotional state um, to take the necessary precautions when needed. So there were things that Samson could have done, right? You know, he could have had wise counsel around him. He could have done many things, but he chose to, um, he made mistakes over and over, partially because of a lack of self-awareness. Okay, the second thing we can do to guard our hearts is to be situationally aware. So where am I? Are you in the midst of trouble or chaos? Are you in a place where peace is dominant or maybe chaos is dominant? So where are you physically placing yourself? So be situationally aware of the environment that you're in. Um, identify potential dangers, right? So Samson's repeated encounters with Delilah, um, and she was manipulated by the Philistines, um, shows how failing to recognize potential dangers can lead lead to heartache and trouble. Right? So there was a lot of triggers here that he didn't see. So guarding your heart involves being aware of people or situations that may exploit your vulnerabilities. And I guess the first thing is you need to know your vulnerabilities 
before you can be aware of the people that want to exploit that. So what are your, you know, what are your open doors? What are the things that are guardrails for you that you have to put in place? Um, if you are someone who is recovering from some kind of uh, substance abuse, for example, you're not going to go into a place where those things are, right? So you have to be aware of what your vulnerabilities are. Okay, the next one is be cautious of deceptive influences. Now, Delilah's, Delilah was very cunning. She used all kinds of tactics to discover the secret of Samson's strength. Um, and this shows us the dangers of being deceived by others with ulterior motives, right? We have to be constantly watching for these deceptive influences. Um, guarding your heart means being cautious of people who, who may not have your best interest at heart. And I think this is a hard one because we always think that people do, but they don't. So being aware of people's motives. Okay. The next one here is um, the next way to guard your heart is three, four. Okay. Is avoid compromising your values. So to avoid compromising your values, you have to know what they are first, right? You have to establish um, your value system. Now, oh, you guys are, many of you are familiar with Fusion's um, Code Orange, which is values that we live by, like servanthood, character, heart for the house, etc. right? Um, for my family, we have a set of values. The first is truth. Truth will set you free. The second for my family is, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So what is your value system? What are the things that are not... Um, these are not negotiable things. So Samson's decision to reveal the secret of his strength um, to Delilah, despite knowing the consequences, emphasizes the importance of not compromising on your values and principles. Guarding your heart involves staying true to what you believe in, even in challenging situations. And I think that's the key here, is we got to be able to... Um, stand up when things get tough. So that leads into the next one. We have to learn from past mistakes. Now, Samson's prior experiences should have taught him about the consequences of revealing the strength, right? <laughs> he allowed Delilah three times before to try and get out of it. Um, other things that happened to him. So guarding your heart means learning from past mistakes and making wiser decisions in the future. So the past doesn't define us, but it informs our future, right? So we've all made mistakes. None of us are the person we used to be. But we need to let our past inform our decisions in the future. Okay, um, next one is seek wisdom and counsel. Now, we can tell from this chapter and even the previous one, Samson really wasn't operating in this environment where he had wise counsel around him. He was putting himself in, in an environment with people like Delilah. 
Now, I've, I'm saying I'd sought counsel from a trusted sources or listened to his intuition. He may not have been. He maybe could have avoided the trap set by Delilah. So guarding your heart involves seeking wisdom and advice from trusted individuals, especially when making significant life situations, right? Um, at Fusion, we like to use certain phrases. I was talking to someone the other day who was um, thinking about making a big life decision. And one of the things we always say is look for double confirmation, right? So you go to the word. What is the word saying to you in the Bible, right? Um, you talk to those who are close to you, maybe people in your connect group, maybe a pastor, someone you trust, and you look for confirmation of that thing, but you look for double confirmation. So it's always better when you have two sources confirming or agreeing with you on something you want to do. So this is why it's so important to be in groups, you know, to be in fellowship with others. Um, the next one is understand the consequences of your actions. Now, Samson's actions eventually led to his downfall and his captivity. So guarding your heart means considering the potential consequences of your decisions and actions before making them. So I think, you know, sometimes we act out of passion or, you know, whatever it is. But if we actually just take a moment to pause and think about the consequences, maybe we'll do something different. Maybe we won't fall into that trap. Um, the next, the last two I have on this idea of guarding your heart is um, remember your identity, right? Remember that you are a son and daughter of the Most High. You are an heir to an eternal kingdom. So remember who you are. Remember that, you know, Jesus gave everything um, so that you could be set free from, from the um, curse of sin. So just, you know, when we think of those things, maybe it will encourage us to guard our hearts. Um, the final one I have is uh, to set boundaries, right? So we have to learn to say no to people or situations that may be harmful or draining. You know, so many times there's people or relationships or jobs or whatever it is, there's maybe these things that we need to say no to. You know, setting boundaries helps maintain a healthy balance in our relationships and it protects your emotional and spiritual space. So um, boundaries are kind of like guardrails on the road. <laughs> they keep us from going off track. So set boundaries when you need to. All right, how are we doing so far? Everyone's still tracking with me? Doing okay? Okay, so let's jump back in. Um, I'm back in around verse five, six, seven in that area. So um, Delilah has been offered money, 1,100 shekels of silver. Now, we can tell from this that Delilah was deeply in love, but not with Samson. She was in love with money. And now, 1,100 shekels is a lot of money. And it says, each of us will give you 1,100 shekels. So we're talking about more than one person. And the value of that silver, I've seen different numbers, 
but it's anything from four to ten thousand. Um, and we have several people involved here. So clearly her love for money is a big thing. So she has not realized what her um you know, what are the things that are tempting her? And I don't think she knows it, but at this point. Now, uh, six or nine. Um, scroll down a little bit. Okay, so she says, tell me the secret of your great strength. Now, the source of Sam- Samson's strength was not obvious. Um, this means, uh, now these are assumptions from scholars. So they're saying that, Probably he wasn't a big, large, muscly guy like, you know, modern-day bodybuilders. He was probably just a regular-looking guy who was unlikely to have the strength he had, So, which means that it was supernatural, right, that the abilities he had was not because of his physical abilities, but it was God-given. Now, um, a little bit later in that, 6 or 9, it says... She's asking, let me just see how we're doing on time. I might jump a little bit. So Delilah is asking, you know, how can you be tied up and subdued? Now, she knew that Samson was strong. Yet she also knew that he could not be subdued. Um, Typically, men had tried Philistines, but they had failed up to this time. So... um, But she did know that he could be subdued or bound with something. And one might say that the honest answer to the question was, I may be bound with the attention and affection of an ungodly yet attractive woman. You see what his kryptonite is here? So the Philistines physically could not um, bind him or capture him. But yet this ungodly attractive woman is able to mislead him and so the story goes on um a couple of times she tries eventually she says verse 10 you've made a fool of me you lied to me come now tell me how can you be tired and so she finds out that if his hair is cut um he would lose his strength i'm going to scroll down here a little bit um So it would seem that the romantic attraction made Samson lose all sense, right? So what are the things that get you to that point where you make poor decisions like Samson? There was really no good or rational reason that Samson continued this relationship with Delilah or even entertained her prying into the secret of his strength. And Samson is a really good example of how an ungodly relationship can warp our thinking, right? How it can deceive us. Um, Samson allows his allows this bondage of wear the time with ropes, blah, blah, blah. And, and he allowed it because he refused to escape the situation. So I think a lot of people today are are in a similar place of sin, compromise, and bondage where we refuse to escape the situation, right? Because the um, whatever the sin is seems so appealing that it's like, well, I'm going to stay in this 
because it it's, has value for me, right? So I think many of us are easily deceived like he was. Now, um, I want to make sure I didn't miss any good stuff here as our time is starting to run out. Now, we know that Delilah really didn't care for Samson, right? Now, his continued commitment to her is a remarkable testimony to the power of blind, irresponsible love, right? This guy is smitten with her where she really doesn't care about him. She cares about money. Now, tragically, Samson's heart was with Delilah, and her accusation was a manipulative projection of her own heart, which was not with Samson. So finally, you know, he reveals to her what happens. Um, she puts him to sleep on her lap. And again, you see the control she has over him. Um, he's just kind of revealed everything to her, and she's able to kind of lull him into sleep. So his, his defenses are down. His guard is down. Okay, so, so after he goes to sleep, um, she uses these sweet words. Now, think about this for a second. Samson's hair is cut off. Now she gets someone to do that. Now if you think about this in kind of a, a figurative way, now there are a thousand razors which the devil can cut the hair off a consecrated man without his knowing it. It's a pretty strong statement, right? Samson is sound asleep, but so clever is the devil that he lulls him to sleep as her fingers move across his head. And this is where the torment begins. So, okay, I'm going to jump down a little bit. So, Judges 16 verse 20. So, we see Samson is now seized by the Philistines. He's lost his strength because his hair has been cut. So then um, she says, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. So he woke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But it did not, and this is scary, but it did not know that the Lord had left him. It's a little scary, right? So he's in this place where he thought everything was fine. And... Um, Samson didn't know that things were different. He lived in compromise for so long that he thought it would never make a difference. Well, you know, what is the compromise that we have been living in for a long time that we think isn't making a difference, but it really is? And I pray we never get to that place where the Lord leaves us like, like Samson. So this is a tragic example of wasted potential, right? And as Samson rejected God's warnings, he thought he could get away with sin and escape its consequences, and he misinterpreted the merciful delay of God's judgment or correction as a sign that he didn't care, and he presumed on God's mercy and continued in his sin, making things worse. So the reality is that Samson's strength was not in his hair, right? It was in his relationship with God. And Samson worked against that relationship to the point where God left him. Now, 
in the sense that he was no longer blessed with supernatural strength, right? Now, um, they took him, gouged out his eyes, um, shackled him, set him to grinding grain in the prison, uh, basically humiliating him, right? But, verse 22, the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Now, it was fitting that Samson was blinded in his imprisonment because it was his eyes, right, that attracted him to these ungodly relationships. He failed to restrain his attraction to women, and that brought him into bondage. Now, the interesting thing here is it says his hair began to grow again. So in some ways, you can think that hope is returning, right? That even though the Lord had left him, I think as his hair began to grow, probably Samson could feel that. And I think this is maybe a moment where his heart was turning back to God, right? So, you know, a couple of questions here. If the Philistines knew that his hair was the secret, why didn't they stop his hair from growing, you know, shave it every day? But the point is that um, people who really are wicked at heart, you know, typically, you know, are not wise in things, and the scripture calls them fools, right? So when Samson's hair began to grow, what did it prophesy? What it first it prophesied hope for Samson, and that I will be bound to say that he put his hand to his hand and felt, anyway, and he felt it coming back, right? And he says to God, will you allow me to strike one more blow? So now Samson's been marked. There's this huge gathering of people, and these Philistines are under the impression that their God, Dagon, is greater than the one true God because Samson is their prisoner. And they say in verse 25, you know, God has delivered Samson, our enemy, to our hands. Now, another thing we can learn from this is that his disobedience, his disobedience led to giving glory to false gods. I don't think he meant to do that but his sin and his failure did that. So the testimony of his love to Delilah was a failure, and Samson became a trophy for worshippers of false gods. So, again, we need to be careful of the message we are sending to others, especially when we live in sin or give in to sin, right? We could become the very thing that distracts others from finding who God really is. Now, ultimately, um, Samson asked the servant to put his hands on the pillars. He's able to push those pillars down. And there's about 3,000 people watching from above. And you know, he says, let me die by this Philistine. So in his death... Now, ultimately, God's glorified. Um, God is shown as the greater one. And effectively, we have a unnecessary suicide that happens here, right? And let me just go over here. So there's a couple of things that we just need to, in summary, right? So 
Samson shows the danger of underestimating our own sinfulness, right? There's a huge cost if we don't, if we underestimate sin. In his case, it was lust, uh, you know, romance, desire. Um, Samson was the great conqueror who never allowed God to properly conquer him or his heart, right? He never fully submitted to God's plan for him. Um, Samson had to be deceived to keep going back to tempting and dangerous places. He did not guide his heart, so the importance of guiding our hearts. Um, it seemed that every time he went to the land of the Philistines, he fell into more compromise. So he wasn't situationally aware. He kept going back to the places where these things were happening and where sin was coming into his life. And then the last couple of things, yeah, keeping you guys a little longer today. Sorry about that. Um, Samson shows the danger of being a loner as a leader, right? We are not called to do life alone. We are not called to be lone star, you know, lone wolf leaders. Everything Samson did, he did alone. And, you know, he was a judge for 20 years, but he never really sought help from others. And finally, you know, Samson is a powerful picture of wasted potential. He could have been one of the greatest men of God in the Old Testament, but he wasted his potential because he gave in to these sinful desires. He didn't know how to guard his heart. So final, final thing is, you know, we talk about the Lila year, but there's a lot of things we don't really know about. We know she was driven by worldly desires, a love of money, um, she'd stop at nothing to follow love for money. And basically, she dishonors herself by prostituting herself for financial gain. So again, she's in with the wrong crowd. She follows a, a false god. And we don't really know what happens to her. We don't know if she was in the temple that day watching. If she was, then we do know what happened to her. But um, again, this is a picture of a person we don't want to be. So anyway, here we have... Samson, a man called of God but deceived. And so I hope that you got something from this. I hope that there's a few life lessons here that will help you. Um, I think one of the biggest things for me in this chapter is this idea of guarding your heart, knowing your value system, being aware of your environment, being self-aware, knowing your values, um, and remembering that you are a child of the Most High. So thank you guys for listening today i hope this hope that you find some application here and let me pray to close us out so father we thank you that um you do love us that you care for us that you give us um you show us how to live through your word father we pray that we would continually guard our hearts that we would not waste our potential that we would um become the leaders and the influencers um, that you have called us to be, that we would influence others to see the one true God, to see that um, that others would see Jesus through the way we live, through the things we do. So, Father, I pray that you would um, teach us today, that you would show us um, things that we might need to change, that you would show us relationships that we may need to cut off, uh, or practices or things or people or places that might be unhealthy for us. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the inspiration 
and the guidance that it gives us. I pray for each one that's on that you would bless them um, today as we start a new week. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks, everyone. Um, I enjoyed that. Have a great day.